You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. Skin pattern for an individual giraffe is constant throughout its life, uh, but it can shift a little bit depending on season as far as the lightness of the dark. What can they teach us? Cool, and because physi- we're physiological dorks, right? And Chris, we're not the only ones. Mm-hmm. NASA, like the NASA. My you, favorite. You Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. Hello from across the United States again, Angie. Hey, Chris. It's um, it's so yeah. nice to hear your voice. Yeah, I know. It's sunny in California here, and the weather's great. A little sunshine goes a long way, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. It's really great. Uh, yeah, I know. It's it's uh, it's still a little warm here in Florida, but overall, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty darn nice out, and enjoying the weather, and and just really happy and excited to be here with you this evening, talking about. Giraffe! This tall, tall animal. I mean, everybody loves giraffes. I mean, oh, come I'm smi- I'm smiling so yeah. big right now. My cheeks hurt. Like, my cheeks who, hurt. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't like? If, if you don't like giraffes, okay, you can turn this off and, and don't unsubscribe. No, don't unsubscribe. Yeah, but, yeah <laughs> careful, Chris. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, how do you not love giraffes? They're oh, just so I'm looking. I'm looking at a photo of one right now. I just it, like it's. I, I feel like I'm looking at a photo of my kid. I just, yeah, my heart is, yeah. is, is like skipping a beat in love. It's just, they're yeah. so cute and beautiful yeah, and majestic are. and unique. Holy smokes, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, good physiology, really crazy physiology. They're horns. So that is one of Angie's favorites or the ossicones. That's right. right. Hoof and horn club, baby, all the way. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Another hoof, another hoof stock. So, but, right. but a really unique, iconic one, like you said, Chris, uh, stick with us today and you're going to learn some amazing biology and physiology fun or what mm-hmm. I call fun mm-hmm. cocktail party facts or trivia night facts that you can impress your friends with. And uh, I don't know about you, Chris, but for me, my love of giraffes started long before I ever met one. It started actually in an animal Mm -hmm. physiology class. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah way, way back, back in the day, like, good old, mm-hmm. Last uh, century uh, or mich- no? Yeah, it was last century. Uh, I know. It, close, it, close, it seems yeah. like it. Actually, it doesn't. I remember this class because it was animal physiology and it was amazing. And I think I took it as a freshman or a sophomore and it was more of a uh, junior, senior level class. But I just was so excited to get in it and learn more. And my mm-hmm. counselor had advised me not to, but I went against their will, which is, yeah. you know me once in a while. I <laughs> yeah, like to, yeah. I like to go against the, the rules. 
Yes, uh, yes, you do. We've had this laugh. discussion. John's the rule maker yes. and you're the rule breaker. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. But it's even fun. It's, it's we've been hanging out with each other for so long that now actually I'm a little bit more the rule follower and he's the rule breaker. <laughs> and I like, wow, like part of me loves it. Part of me is like, oh no, what, like, uh oh, what, what is, what's he turning <laughs> into? Get trouble. So, yeah, it gives, yeah, it gives yeah, me mixed yeah. emotions. But overall, I like it. I'm like, good for you, honey. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then now I'm all conservative and, uh, anyways, uh, so no, in this animal physiology class, we learned a lot, of course, I think one of the ways to get students interested in different, different body parts. Uh, I know I spoke about the camel being one of the ones we highlighted, mm -hmm. but we also mm -hmm. highlighted the giraffe and some of their unique physiological mm -hmm. features, I believe in, uh, I mean, their cardiac system, well, for instance. Yeah. The Okapi. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we talked a lot about the Okapi. Yeah. So very, very yeah. But and so, yeah, learning, learning about, learning about how they can do some of the unique physiological things and be so tall and still. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think if you stick with us today, uh, we'll share with you some of the secrets to how giraffes being so tall can basically not get lightheaded after getting a, yeah. getting a drink uh, and then raising their head back up. That was one of the. Yeah. And, and just, I mean, not only those facts, but just, I was always thinking about it too, is, is how in the heck do they get blood all the way up that neck to the brain? Because the brain needs so much blood. You know, we know that as physiologists mm -hmm. and, and you know, oh, it's just, it's, it's incredible. So yeah, stick with us. We're going to cover that giraffes, even toed ungulate, Angie's favorites, uh, Angie and the odd toed. Angie's definitely yeah. I'm a little bit more of an odd toed girl, but I, I mean, even toad is also yeah. right up, right up my alley. <laughs> right, right. And so, yeah, they have the cloven hoof with the two mm -hmm. toes. And so the family giraffidae, just quickly, you know, again, that's the and giraffe. They both have seven cervical vertebrae, but just in giraffe, it's much longer. Right. And so it's just really, really cool adaptations. Now, most people, Angie, should know what a giraffe looks like. I mean, come on. Yes. I, I don't think we should we need to spend too, too much time. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. about, but yes, but I think it's important to point out that they're, uh, the pattern of their coat, kind of the spots or shapes mm -hmm. that make their pattern, yeah. mm -hmm, that make the unique pattern does vary, uh, depending, it can be smaller, medium, larger in size, sharp edged, fuzzy edged, a uh, yellow to black in color. And the skin pattern for an individual giraffe is constant throughout its life. Uh, but it can mm -hmm. shift a little bit depending on season as far as the lightness or the darkness of it. Uh, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, it's just. They are. And just, just some of the, the statistics on them. Did, did their legs can be almost as tall as me, six feet. I'm six five. So six feet, 1.8 meters. Yes. That's yeah. Crazy. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Chris. Yeah. Okay. We're talking legs yeah. now. Uh, their right. feet. Yeah. Let's move it to their feet. Those cloven hooves that you talked about, two toed ungulates. Their feet can be the size of a dinner plate. That's crazy. That's crazy. With They're, a diameter I mean, of about 30 centimeters. Right, right. That's and incredible. Huge. Yeah. The males can stand up to 18 feet or 5.5 meters. It's almost two mm -hmm. stories tall, right? And every, you know, everybody knows that they go to, the, they go, you know, and see them in, in under human care and they see how tall they are. The females 14 feet or 4.3 meters. They can weigh up to 3,000 pounds. Which is, mm. yeah, that, that, you know, like you said, those, those hooves have to support that weight or 13, 1360 kilograms. Females are about half that weight. So about mm -hmm. uh, 1500 pounds or 680 kilograms. So there's some statistics on, on their sizes. They're, they're huge. I think their necks are almost over six feet tall too. You know, is what I was reading the, the legs and the neck. 
Now, the range, Ange, this, uh, this made me sad looking at this. You know, I guess we've seen it for, for quite a few species. You know, we did lines a couple weeks ago. It seemed like, you know, I have, I have this historical distribution and current distribution. Historical distribution, they were pretty much all over Africa. Just the, the, I guess you'd say the, the deep Congo really wasn't where they were, were from. And then the Sahara Desert, you know, just the, the deep, deep parts of it. But, you know, up through almost into Southwest Asia, you know, or the Middle East, they, they ranged a little bit into there and North Africa and then pretty much the lower half of Africa. They were all over. Oh, yeah. And now, and now today, I mean, geez, you look at their fragmentation. It's just, it's, it's really sad. It's really sad. It is. They're, they're definitely a species that has the ability to adapt to different types. I mean, they prefer, of course, savannas and open woodlands. But like mm-hmm. you said, historically, the range was, yeah, all through Africa and all over. Yeah. All over. And now, uh, yeah, of course it is native to Africa, but it's really mainly only found south of the Sahara. Um, and northern Botswana, they are pretty much gone from Western Africa, except for, I guess, there's a small uh, mm-hmm. population in Niger. And in South mm-hmm. Africa, they're pretty much restricted just to game reserves. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, when when people say, and I've, I've heard this for the last few years now, you know, oh, these animals belong in the wild. And you turn around and you're like, what wild? Where is it? Show me, show me where the wild's at. Yeah. You know, there's not much of it left. No, it, it, well, exactly. And of course, with human populations booming, especially mm. in, um, in countries like Africa, it is hard. There, I mean, there's competition for resources and, mm-hmm. and land is utilized in different ways. And so naturally, I think, of course, uh, their populations just theoretically are probably going to historically decline. But basically, their numbers since 1985, um, giraffes, the populations were over 150,000, if not more, back in 1985, mm-hmm. when I was a wee little one. Uh, I was, I was too young. <laughs> you I was, born. <laughs> I was too young to even really be into 80s music, but, uh, so, <laughs> but, I, but I, I'm sh- you, you were just born. You were born like 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wink, wink. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, since 80, um, since 1985, about basically about a third of their population has been wiped out. Um, now there's believed to be 90,000 or less. And, yeah. and a lot of these, Oh, definitely, definitely on the de- uh, yeah. on the de- um, population declining. The International Union of Conservation and Nature uh, declares that they're vulnerable. Uh, so that was in 2016. Mm-hmm. They reassessed the population and they went from least concerned to vulnerable, uh, basically mm-hmm. pointing out that their population has taken this dramatic dip in the past uh, 20 or 30 yep. years. And interestingly enough, um, I think it's really important to point out for me. And I don't know how about you, Chris, until recently, I guess I wouldn't have thought the giraffe were that, that threatened. Um, yeah, I mean, and we're, and if you're listeners, if you're, if you're there as well, if you're like, huh, what giraffes, they're, you know, they're going to be endangered if we don't do something. I don't know if you would say yes. in that kind of weird <laughs> accent that I just used, but, no, but, but yeah, they, yeah, they uh, yeah, but I if you're kind of, I was, I mean, I would have definitely fallen in that boat about a year or two ago until I just started, I read an article. I think it wasn't around 2016 when it came out, um, with the IUCN had basically declared them as vulnerable and that their population numbers were in, in steep decline that it was like, what is that even mm-hmm. real? Because I went to Africa yeah. twice since. I easily saw them wherever I went. And, but now looking back on it, it's just the parts mm-hmm. of Africa that I was able 
to be in. Uh, that's why I saw Giraffe. Uh, mm-hmm. Not everybody gets to see him. And that a lot of a lot of the specialists mm-hmm. out there for the different giraffe surveys or for like the IUCN, there's a giraffe and copy specialist group. Uh, they're, they, they talk about this as a silent extinction. Right. I've, maybe yeah, some, I've been reading that. Yeah. Maybe something we saw with hippos once again, where, mm-hmm. oh, they're fine. They're fine. They're fine. Yeah. Uh, perhaps because they're not as highlighted with the poach crisis or, um, mm-hmm. with maybe being, you know, their body parts potentially being used for, um, traditional medicine back in Asia. Mm-hmm. So, and I think the other thing too is we, because we do see them when we like a lot of tourists, when you go to game reserves, you see them. So you yeah. think, Oh, they're fine. Or if you go to a zoo, you see them and you think, Oh, well, there's fine. But it really, it is really, it really is important to, I think for people to really start taking notice that, uh, there is an issue. The populations are declining. Yes. And just because we see them at the zoos or because if you have been lucky enough to go on yeah. safari, you probably do see one that does not translate to how their conservation status healthy, in the wild. Yeah. Or how healthy the population is. I mean, it's, yeah, it's really scary. And if you and, think about it too, yeah. it's not an easy one to fix because it's not this little creature that like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah. we'll just reserve these, you know, yeah. couple, um, you know, thousands of habitat, acres yeah. of habitat and they'll be fine. I mean, these are large megafauna, uh, of course, similar to elephants and rhinos and hippos that they need. They do. They need a lot of room. And so it's not just a snap of the fingers, easy fix. No, no, it's not. It's not. And it's, you know, and, and I think going into, you know, why I care about giraffes, I think one of the things I thought about was, you know, they're a major browser in these ecosystems they browse the top of trees. So they're, they have this really, again, we always talk about these econo- ecological niches. And so they have a, a really specific ecological niche that another species can't fit, you know, into. You know, you can't evolve a giraffe. It's taken millions of years for these animals to, to develop these long necks to be able to reach, reach that browse that they like. And it, they're, they're critical to that ecosystem. In, in the habitat. Yeah, Chris. I mean, here's the deal. I, I think we need, it's time we start sticking our necks out for the giraffe. Yeah. <laughs> here, comes. Bum, bum. here comes the puns. Bum, bum, All right. Bum. I've been waiting for these. It's been a bit, a couple of weeks since you've got some. I've been puns. holding right, that in for one. the past seven minutes that we've been talking. Uh, no, <laughs> no, it's, but, but seriously, yes, you bring up very, very valid points. And, and also from an ecosystem role, giraffes are host to Ticks, troublesome ticks. Let's be honest. Nobody likes them. Mm-hmm. I'm, sh- I'm sure Eight they, ticks. I'm sure they have a role somewhere, something, but we, we're not entomologists, so we, we can't yeah. discuss ticks on this, on this pod. Yeah. But, but the oxpecker yeah. bird rests on, and I've seen, if you've seen classic pictures in the savannah, you've seen the oxpecker bird resting on mm-hmm. the back and the necks of giraffes, removing these ticks from their skin. So they, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they have what's called ticks, a mutually yeah. beneficial okay. relationship. So yeah, there you go. Okay. Remember that we talked about it in my favorite yeah. episode, the honey badger, but remember the, the, what, what are those birds? The oh, honey birds right. Right. All of the honey mm-hmm. badgers around. Remember the, yes. that mutualistic behavior. Yeah. See, see, this is where they, are. they are help so other, they all depend they all on each depend other. On each they, other. The oxpecker needs them, man. Um, yes. and yes. And then just of course, too, from, um, an, uh, from an economical importance to humans, we have, I, obviously not time on this podcast to go back tens of thousands of millennia to talk about how humans and giraffes have mm. interacted um, for anywhere 
with the African culture from um, medicinal dances to naming rights to folk tales and folklore. Oh my gosh. All the, I have a book at home that my dear friend, Allison, of course, you know, our rhino translocate, our a rhino mm-hmm. um, expert. Yeah. Rhino expert. Needs to translocate yeah. rhinos. It's this fun folklore book about how the giraffe's neck got so long. Uh, and that's uh, traditionally mm-hmm. seen a lot. in I think the, um, uh, the Swahili culture. And so anyway, so they've just been, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're ingrained in our, our culture. And so, and then of course now even more, more fast forward. Now, of course, they're just, everybody knows giraffes is a long neck. They're, I mean, you can't, you can't walk past mm-hmm. an aisle in a, in a store when in the baby section without half the stuff being giraffe, right? right. Like it's, I know, I know. I, I mean, it's everybody just, loves giraffes. Everybody so. loves giraffes. Um, stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think we seriously got like five or six or eight yeah. stuffed giraffe toys. Well, what was my... the teething giraffe? We had the teething oh, giraffe. Oh, yeah. Right? Toys, yeah. Yeah. Right. Our little blankies. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. just, we're, they're just part of our life. And so from that point of view, that's more of kind of we owe them or we're just so integrated. Yeah. But of course, from an mm-hmm. economical point of view, uh, in these safari parks, um, mm-hmm. they are helping. I mean, they're a real crowd pleaser right there. Uh, right, and they're not right. like the lions who just lay there. Uh, they're actually right. doing stuff, yeah. uh, when you see them yeah. usually browsing and walking around, sometimes yeah. socializing. So they're definitely a crowd pleaser. And, and a lot of these, of course, safari parks, uh, or reserves generate some good income for the local people in that, in that area. So, they're definitely yeah, worth sticking yeah. up for and bringing attention to about the fact that their numbers are plummeting and that we yeah. people need to act now. And the best thing to do is yeah, to yeah. share with friends. Hey, do you guys know the giraffes are in yeah. trouble? What? What? Yeah. And then, yeah, and then just the get that, com- yeah. you know, they're, they're get that down, conversation yeah. going and, uh, and then we'll help point towards in the, the podcast. We'll help point in, in the right direction of some of the things that you can do. Um, if you're a, dra- a fellow right. giraffe lover like myself and pretty much most all of my friends, <laughs> everybody, <laughs> yes, 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 you won't right. be my friends. I don't want to like put giraffes. any threats out there, but yeah, the, let's be real here. Let's, like, yeah. you don't like giraffe. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I gotta, I gotta shout out to Jesse. Jesse, Jesse loves giraffes and at the Hamilton. Did he work with them before? Do you know if he, yes, I mean, it, well, he did the Okapi, right? Mm-hmm. So he loves the Okapi and then also working with his giraffes, uh, they have there in, in New Zealand. Oh, so, well, maybe we'll have to get Jesse on for yeah. another interview about, about more specifics with, um, being giraffes. a giraffe keeper. Yeah, 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 that's a good yeah. One. yeah, maybe I should, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm in touch with Jesse all the time. I know so. our listeners awesome. would, yeah, I know our listeners would love, love probably more intimate yeah. details of what it's like to work on a daily basis with those beautiful with giraffes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty funny because they have to walk them up from their back, and yeah, it's really cool to watch them walk. So, do you know how to say their scientific name? Uh, it's a mouthful. Well, yeah, I'll you give it, a, it. I'll give it a try. Okay. Okay. Let me find it. Oh. See if I can put you on the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I'm squinting. I think it's a sign I need glasses, okay. darn it. Uh, <laughs> but I wasn't born until after 1985, right? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, Giraffa Camelopard Dallas. Dallas? Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Camelopard Dallas. Yeah. Camelopard. Yeah. Do you know why they called him Camelopard? Yeah, do you know why it's called Say that? Say it four times fast Not and the then giraffe, we'll talk. Right. <laughs> yeah. Camelopard artist. <laughs> <laughs> So the reason is they called him the camel leopard. 
Yeah, I, because okay, I can see they that look like the camels with mm-hmm. leopard spotting, you know, because that that is their their coat patterns look like leopard spotting. So, so that's their scientific name. Now, the subspecies, there's some debate. In ah, uh, great science are, debate time. I yeah, love it. I know. So, so it's genetics, and genetics are, are showing some things. The today they recognize nine subspecies, but genetics, some genetic studies would have shown what four. Sure. So the bottom line, because I'll stick with the IUCN uh, because they stick with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if they do. I don't yeah. know if they do. Yeah. But I, maybe yeah. if they if they listen, they they might. Uh, but the, uh, the IUCN yeah. only recognizes one species with nine subspecies. Okay. Yeah, one species. Um, however, right. in 2011, there was a study that uh, that suggested eight species. Okay, not subspecies, but eight species. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then there was a study in 2016, so that I think used mitochondrial DNA, uh, but basically said there are mm-hmm. four species, not eight or nine subspecies. Four right. species: yeah, that's the, the saw, northern yeah. giraffe, the southern giraffe, the reticulated giraffe, and the Maasai giraffe. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, scientists, people that specialize in this, have gone back and forth, highlighting some problems in the data interpretations and mm-hmm. the conclusions, and so. Therefore, I think that's where the IUCN is just focusing on the one species with these nine subspecies. Um, And there's pros and cons of different ways to look at it because a lot of times subspecies aren't given as much protection or attention Mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. the species are. And maybe that's the IUCN's approach. It's like, hey, you know what? Some of these subspecies, we're not going to be able to save them. There's 100 or 50 or 250. I mean, the numbers are so low. Yeah. I, and I don't want to speak for them. I'm not sure what, you know, they probably, they were using the best science given at the time, uh, to, uh, mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. To, to determine, uh, that they really want to only recognize the one species. The one species. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so they have like, um, some of the, the subspecies now today, West African, Cordophan, Nubian, reticulated. That's the one we always see at zoos, right? The reticulating or Maasai. Yeah. The usually ones those two. See. Yeah. Yeah, the Rothschilds, uh, Thorn and Crofts. Rothschilds are pretty popular as used, yeah. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one. Um, and then I guess the differences between a lot of them are just their coat patterns, right? Like they're just different colors and, and things like that. Yeah, I think it's based yeah. on location and coat pattern. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what some of the things – I mean, some of them are so isolated that they probably wouldn't get a chance to breed with a, another one. Another deal, species, so. yeah. Yeah, or another subspecies in the mm-hmm. other part of Africa. Now, we covered a lot of this evolution in Okapi, so I'm just going to go over it really quick. The giraffids, which is the Okapi and giraffe, split 25 million years ago. So they had a new group with cattle, deer, and antelope. Again, climate change was driving this. The the really subtropics around that time mm-hmm. gave way to more large grasslands and woodlands. So giraffes, you know, kind of evolved because reaching the canopy was really an advantage. And we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit more. The looking through the evolution, we can track just like horses, you know, that's why we always, that's why I love, you know, using horses as a, as a tool to study evolution, the changes over time. So looking at these old relatives of giraffes, we can see how the necks have gotten longer mm-hmm. and longer over time. And the theory, and there's a couple competing theories, but the main theory is, is that the longer necks gave advantage to reaching brows that others couldn't, right? Like the kudu. Mm-hmm. Kudu's a very large hoofstock. Gorgeous, right? gorgeous mm-hmm. horns. Spiral. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. 
but giraffes could reach way up higher than they right. could. So they actually had a competitive advantage in evolving that. And so over time, you know, they were able to, to get these long necks. Now I did read this. This was pretty interesting too. Longer neck giraffes. Okay. Have higher mortality, especially during drought. Sure. It makes sense. You're bigger, Yeah, bigger. You need more nutrients. So if there's a drought, yeah. And I, I can't go down to Ralph's here, which is like amazing in California. <laughs> Get back to the States, man. And I walk through the vegetables and I'm like, oh my God, where have you been? Because in New Zealand, we have like five vegetables we can eat and like four pieces of fruit. Here, there's like a thousand. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, the States. I love you. Um, so yes, we are spoiled yes. for sure. But in a, in a drought or if that goes away, Angie, I'm screwed. You're fine. I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the taller, the taller is not, taller is not always better, especially in, no, in times no. of lower nutrients. And or well, and, flying over the Pacific Ocean is the worst. <laughs> yeah, yes, being, yes, I would imagine. I, I assumed you probably weren't riding in first class, but, uh. No, 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 no. Can't, can't quite afford it. I think it's like $15,000. Oh, I couldn't even imagine. Seat. That's goofy. Uh, that's yeah, insane. That's silly. Yeah. But no, and Chris, I read an interesting, um, theory too with the next, of course, the one that you mentioned about for uh, being able to reach the the different types of brows yeah. on the tops of the trees, I think that's the predominant one. But some other side yeah. theories, which you gotta love it, and I don't, I don't think they're conspiracy yeah, theories. Yeah. I think they really are no, discussed no, no. Yeah. in the giraffe uh, evolutionary world community. Yeah, community is that the next potentially evolved to be longer as for mate selection. So the females mm-hmm. were like in the peacock, right? The male peacock mm-hmm. is just his. Uh, feathers are just crazy ridiculous where the females yeah. just kind Ugly. of boring. <laughs> the bee uh, yeah. just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it was one of those things where the females were more attracted to the, uh, the males with the longer necks. And mm-hmm. then, and then of course we'll, we'll talk a little bit, uh, when we get to behavior about how male, how males neck fight for dominance mm-hmm. and for impressing females and things like that. So that maybe that's why the ones that had the longer necks did better. Mm-hmm. Females like them more, hence the genetic pool. But the the counter argument to that is, well, why do females have long necks as well, right? So yeah, both males yeah. and so that one kind of got thrown under the bus. And that, as far as that goes, I, but I don't know. Um, you know, potentially maybe female. Yeah, who knows? I I think it's just well. Kind I mean, of- you think about it because because uh, it's an interesting discussion. So we can talk about this for a second. Okay, evolution. You and I understand evolution, how evolution works, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're a giraffe and you have a kudu who can reach what six to ten feet if they stand. I mean, do they stand up? I know the, the you know, what, there's some certain species of antelope. That sure, they'll go on up. their hind legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why did they eighteen feet? Right. I mean, fourteen feet for the female, I guess. You know, so they're, they're, they're at a, a level above those large other ruminants or, or ungulates. And then the males. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because you really think about like how, how high did they right. have to how go? How high did they have to go? And why, yeah. why did they stop where they stopped? Or we're actually, we're all still evolving. Yeah. So they probably haven't stopped. That's um, but yeah, yeah, no, it really, it really is quite interesting. But then you think about it, like the tree canopy. I mean, to reach some of these trees, they've got to be that tall, right? It's not just bushes. It's like you got some big trees in Africa, right? I mean, you've been there, and so you've seen sure. them. Sure. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and some some of the savannas too. The trees they are tall, but they're sparse too. Right. So if you can add that extra top, 
the canopy to yeah. your uh, browsing yeah. uh, palette. Menu, yeah. Yeah, menu. You have like this whole new selection that yeah. basically, yeah, way out competes a lot of the other, a lot of the other hoofstock for sure. So, and with that being said, uh, Chris and I are talking too about how they're a browser and uh, we'll get to a little bit more nutrition, but that just means that, yeah, they eat the leaves mm-hmm. of the trees and the, the stems sometimes right. and things yeah. like that. Yeah, That's they're not, they're solid, not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're not down on the they're not down on the grasslands grazing like right. you would see zebras, zebras do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, your favorites. Now, I gotta ask you this: uh, as Xander's mama, who's the tallest creature ever? Oh, the tallest creature I ever! Oh, he totally knows. I should, <laughs> how wrong would it be if I woke him up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, don't wake him up. I don't think Dad would be happy. I would say John would not be pleased about that. Yeah, um, but no, but yeah. I think I, I've read enough of these books. Um, okay. I think I'm gonna um, the Apatosaurus. Okay, I actually had to research this for a while, and, and I found some competing information. Or so, I don't think it's the Brachiosaurus, which when we were little kids no, was called no, the Brontosaurus. No, no, no. So that yeah, even shows no, how no, old no, we no, are. No. It's no longer the Brontosaurus; yes. it's the Brachiosaurus. Yeah. Apatosaurus is a is a really tall one. Um, Diplodocus okay. is kind of tall no. as well. Am I? Well, remember we we talked about Argentinosaurus. Oh, our, yeah. Found. Is that the tallest one? Okay, so. No, no. Oh. So, well, I, I saw some data on it. So, the sauropods or the titanosaurs is what they sure. Call yes, I that that is a chapter this in one, one of the books I read. Yes. <laughs> okay, Alamosaurus is the one that I found of all the data I okay. could find, and I didn't spend hours on this. I spent probably a good thirty minutes plus <laughs> looking for it. So, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> Um, I love that you did that. That's like amazing. <laughs> I went down a few rebels myself so, this uh, this uh, podcast yeah. session. Now, could you guess how tall they stood? So this is the Allosaurus. I'm going to check with Xander. Alamosaurus is the one. Okay, Alamosaurus. Yeah, I mean, I definitely read about that one. It sounds really um, – how tall? Okay, let me let me throw out some numbers here. Uh, are we going to do meters or feet? Which one do you want me to do? Uh, feet. Let's do feet. Feet. Yeah. Okay, feet, 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 feet. Um, 80 feet? Yeah, good. Ding, ding, well, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, 88. See? 88. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Dino awesome. Mama. Awesome. That's, yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've read a lot of dino books. So, it's <laughs> good. 88 feet. Yeah. Some good. of those numbers. 27 meters. I couldn't get the yeah. name, darn it. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like that's, almost 10 that's stories. Tall. And that's not even like stretching. That's just them walking and 74 tons, but that's British tons. So I don't even know what the heck that is in US tons. But wow. It, I just, I'm lot. like looking up at my ceiling trying to think what yeah. that would even be yeah. like looking. Enormous, enormous. So they found, I think they found some leg bones and stuff, and then they just guesstimate based on that. But I know Argentinosaurus is is one of the the big, big ones. Okay, but not related to giraffes at all. No, we (laughs) kind of went on a little dinosaur tangent. Sorry, folks. (laughs) It's always fun. Uh, So you know, these this was a surprising factoid. Giraffes only live fifteen to twenty years. I did not know that. I thought they lived a little bit longer. So. In the I wild. Thought, no, I'm, I'm putting it in, in the wild. Okay, so in the wild, I I, I read up to 25 years. Okay, 15 but, to 25 years in that mm-hmm, range, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Chris, that's not really that long, I guess, uh, compared to a lot of the animals we typically cover. Rhinos. Well, rhinos. When we yeah, think rhinos, of horses or, or rhinos or, ele- oh my gosh, elephants. But for ruminants that they compete with, mm-hmm. so the kudu and, and other, Afri- probably the cape buffalo, mm-hmm. I can't remember, it's life. Um, span yeah, like 25 years head. or something like that. The giraffes have a higher adult survival probability and a longer lifespan compared to most of the other ruminants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, so, yeah. 
I guess I would think since they're bigger, it should be way, they should longer. live a lot longer. I just, cause I think uh, of elephants. Elephants live like 70, 80, 90 years sometimes. Right. I, yeah. yeah. But I think, I think for the ruminants that they're categorized with, uh, they, it, it is longer. It's about and average now, life. And living under human care, I'm not sure if that gets expanded, like if it's more like 30 40. or if... San Diego oh, okay. Zoo, I think, had it at 40. It's like the, wow. the longest that okay. they had. So yeah. they can really ex- extend it out then. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So then, yeah. So like some other factoids on physiology, a, a single vertebrate can be 10 inches or 10 inches long. And they have oh. seven like us. Okay. So, hey, I have a fun game for you. Okay. Oh, Great. <laughs> I'm now teaching an anatomy and physiology class. We, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. just covered the skeletal system. So okay. Okay. when we're talking about vertebra, mm-hmm. we talked about cervical. So how many cervical mm-hmm. do they have? Seven. That's on top, right? And, yeah. and um, then it thoracic. goes into thoracic. How many thoracic do you have? Uh, I don't know. Six. Matt. Nah. 12. Uh, yeah, <laughs> 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 12. 12. Okay, okay. okay. I did this in my horse book. Mm-hmm. It comes out in a few okay. weeks. Awesome. Um, awesome. Well, if you okay. play this game with me, I'm going to give you all of our listeners a chance, uh, um, a little quick uh, saying to never forget the answer. So what's it called? Okay. An, an, okay. An Seven, 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, then lumbar uh-huh. is 24. No, that's too many. 12. Yeah. 12 again. Or 10, 7, 6, 5, 5, 5, 5, five. Yeah. five lumbar. Mm-hmm. Really? So it's so, are you ready for it? Is that in us too, or is that in horses? Yes. Like I'm to, okay. Oh, I don't know about horses. Sorry, this is all okay. humans. I think it's okay, the okay. Same. it might not be it's the same in similar. horses. I don't, yeah, horses have. A I don't know. Back, so. Um, but yes. Yeah, so for humans, mm-hmm. it is breakfast at seven, lunch at twelve, mm-hmm. dinner at five. Yeah. So cervical seven, there lunch. There you go. Okay. Five. I'm sorry. Lunch twelve, and I'm confusing myself. And then. Uh, Dinner is lumbar at 5 p.m. Okay. So what about those, sacral? Uh, they're fused. And so in humans, it's, yeah, okay. it's uh, five sacrum and then coccyx fused four. Okay. 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 Hey, look at you smart, Dr. Angie. Oh, so how yeah. Fast, yeah. Oh, so yeah. how fast can giraffes run? Huh? Did you find that factoid? I did. And I was really impressed by it. Yeah. And actually a little like, yeah, yeah. I was taken back a little. I was like, holy smokes. Yeah. I didn't know they could go that fast. Yeah. Yeah, 35 miles per hour, 56 kilometers per hour. And they, they walk at a special gate. Oh, they walk at a special gate, but, uh, but they can also sustain 30 miles an hour for several kilometers. That's pretty special. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah. they're not Outrunning just like, predators, the, yeah, yeah to, to outrun them or, um, and then yes, their gait is really cool. Uh, for people yeah, that aren't yeah, familiar, yeah. we probably covered it in camels, but their gait is called, mm. uh, pace. Yeah, when they walk. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that's want- this the same side legs moving together. So the right front and the right hind move forward and then the left front and left hind move forward. So it's it's kind of a weird gait uh with that. Mm-hmm. And and then they run at what we like. The gallop on them. Yeah, And that's the and they only have the walk and the gallop. There is no in, in between, yeah. which is Yeah. For other animals, interesting. Like your dog ha- or a horse has like a trot, like a gait with each leg moving out. A dog has yeah. one somewhat similar. Yeah. Uh, the camel, uh, the giraffe does not have that. So yeah, yeah. And then, and then you were talking about 
the markings, I was going to say real quick that they're all individual, like a fingerprint. They're snowflakes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, exactly. Cool, yeah. Every camel is yeah, a snowflake. Yeah. Why do I keep saying camel? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Every giraffe is a snowflake, which even though they're super adorable, that makes them even more precious, I guess. And then do you, do you want to talk about the ossicones? Your favorites? Uh, Yes. Hello. Do you know me by now? Of course. So they, a male and females, both sexes have horn like structures that stick out of their head, not super far. So if you're think, if you're listening right now thinking that we are crazy, um, (laughs) that's okay because they only stick out, you know, several inches. Um, and they're, and they're called ossicones because they're basically formed from ossified cartilage. And they're covered in skin too, and they're fused to the skull, and they're fused uh, just more skeletal facts. Since I'm mm-hmm. with my class <laughs> right now, my poor class doing yeah. um, the skeleton, but there's uh, they're fused to the the peri the parietal bone, which is um, kind of like the side of your head, not not the temporal bone by your temple, but a little bit more mm-hmm. back, uh, mm-hmm. and then up to the, and then it rolls up into the top. So they're fused to that part of the skull, and they are vascularized. And mm-hmm. researchers believe that they have a, a role. These acetones have a role in thermoregulation. And of course, with males who will combat each other, we'll get that a little bit, we'll get into that a little bit more during breeding. The horns can be used kind of as weapons with that. And the other thing too, if you've been to up and close and personal with a giraffe, uh, I don't know, I'm sure you have, Chris, and I have. Yeah, they're, and you're seeing them pop up like around the world because even down in Hamilton, they, they do this. They're, they're doing giraffe feedings. Oh, yeah. Oh, guests. yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a favorite. It's, it's a, really fun for the kids. It's yeah, a favorite really of, and, and our family for sure. It's yeah. when you talk about being just that, of course, you're like in protected contact, but being that close mm-hmm. to where you can really feel and see their height and, yeah. uh, interact yeah. with them. But they, uh, if you are, if you, are ever up close to one. And, and if you're probably doing a feeding, I don't know if it would be a male, probably depends on how well trained it is. Mm. Uh, but they a lot of times have calcium, especially the males have calcium deposits that form bumps on their skulls and on their ossicones mm-hmm. as they age. So if you ever see a giraffe and you think that they have like skull or ossicone or, bites. yeah, like tumors <laughs> yeah, yeah. or something, that's just yeah. a natural um, phenomenon as they age, they're Basically, they, de- they deposit more um, calcium to form these bumps, mm-hmm. which is I don't know. If, yeah. I, I I highly doubt they have a postdoc studying why that is or how that helps the animal. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, it, the animal is still totally healthy. There's no issues with that. That's a very normal aging process, especially in the males. Right, right, right. The some of the predators I thought was kind of interesting. So humans are are a big one for them. Lions can take down giraffes sometimes. Probably younger ones too, or sub adults. Crocodiles, which ugh, good old crocodiles, can probably snap them and get them in there. But I did read when trying to evade predators, giraffes can like karate chop with their legs with enough force to crush a lion's skull. So, oh sure, I, I yeah, I would imagine. I mean, we always say in the zebra world that a kick from a zebra is about as powerful as a hand grenade because they get one yeah. shot. They get one, yeah. I mean, they get one shot to get out of there um, and get to safety or to injure a lion or whatever's after right. them. So, I mean, that's a zebra. Uh, so I imagine a giraffe would be giraffe. pretty powerful as well. Yeah. Um, they might not be yeah. quite as agile as a um, zebra, but right. uh, I, yeah, I'm sure it's pretty powerful for sure. They are, um, they are, they are. I mean, 
So, like we said, they're, they're browsers. They get leaves from, the, from high up in the canopy. They're ruminants, so they got four-chamber stomachs, almost like a cow. They eat about 75 pounds or 34 kilograms of food per day. So when you were saying they're pretty interactive or interactive, they're, they're active when you're on safari because they got to eat all day. You know, it's just like, yeah. How much, how much was that again? 75 pounds, you know, on average. (laughs) That's a lot of food. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Half of you. Um, Oh, you're too kind. You're too, yeah. Um, Times, times, times three. (laughs) No, no, no. No. I'm not even that big. Oh, wait, no, no, definitely. Okay. Maybe times two. I meant times two. That's, that's two thirds of you. That's three quarters of Angie. I am really bad at math at nighttime. You are. It's, you are, you are. <laughs> I, I'm only half listening to it. I was actually um, trying to find a good giraffe vocalization on the web as yeah, well. Yeah. So let okay, me start. Okay. Let me start paying attention. Let me go to my nutrition slide. Right, okay, right. Let, let's get right. Serious. So okay, so they, they now they love acacia leaves, which acacia trees are, are pretty much standard around Africa, and they have these sharp thorns, which I thought was really interesting. Let me ask you this: Do you know how long their tongue is? I do. Okay, you know everything. <laughs> Eighteen inches, forty-six centimeters. And they have this prehensile lip. And what color is their and tongue, so though? They, what color? That's the coolest part. Black. black purple That's black. Cool, yeah. yeah, purple black. black. Yeah, kind of like a chow yeah. dog or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they don't get sunburned, right? Their tongues don't mm-hmm. get sunburned. That's what I read. That was pretty cool. And so when they they eat these acacia leaves, sometimes they'll get sticky thorns, you know, or, or they'll get these sharp thorns. Their saliva is so sticky, it covers it. And so they swallow oh, it. Oh, that's very cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. So they... Yeah, so their saliva is like really just gross. So when you do go to a giraffe feeding, you know that's what they do, and you can kind of get some of their saliva I love on it. you. Bring it on! Um, yeah, it's no, gross, no. But yeah. Well, yeah, 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 and yeah, I was yeah. also reading that um, they will eat. They'll feed on shrubs, and they will, if they have to, feed on a little bit of grass and fruit sometimes. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're an herbivore. I, I'm sure you said that at the beginning. Uh, but they've been known to visit carcasses and lick the dried meat off the bones. But I always, but oh, for me wow, that okay. uh, I always wonder too, is that like for salt maybe, you know, or it's, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, just, it's interesting. Like, uh, but yeah. the other cool factoid is that they really only have to drink every one or every couple days. They do not need to drink every day. Mm-hmm. And it's probably because a lot of, they get a lot of moisture from the plants they eat. So Every, every few yeah, days is yeah, it okay. Makes sense. It makes sense. Um, yeah, it's just like, I mean, even a grazer, you know, and I always talk about this, like, just to say with horses, it, it, it's in the spring when everything's green, they generally don't drink as much water because they're getting so much moisture content from the grasses. But say late summer, when there's a lot of brown or dry, dry forage, these animals need to drink more often. So when they're browsing, they're getting right. quite a bit of moisture mm-hmm. out of those leaves. So they don't need quite as much. Yeah. Well, and this is, I just, I love the digestive system as well. So like mm-hmm. you mentioned, of course, they're ruminants and they have the four chambers in their stomach. Uh, but their intestines where they absorb a lot of the nutrients from the different foods that they eat. Oh, how between the small and then large intestine, <laughs> I'm like reading, whoa. Um, in the adult giraffe, how long do you think their small and large intestines were if you were to unravel them? Um, God, 200 feet. Whoa, good. 230 feet. Yeah. 230 okay. feet. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Now, the large, what is that? 
15 feet? It, I don't have the numbers broken feet? down in front of me, but they, uh, okay. what I read though is that they do have a yeah, relative okay. small ratio of small to large intestines. So it's yeah. probably more large. Yeah, small intestines like so long. I think in a horse it's like 120 feet or something. So it's, it's so crazy long. <laughs> it's just wrapped in there. And I've been through a couple of colic surgeries with horses and it, it's sitting in on it and it's amazing all those guts. Oh yeah. Even in the human, it's, it's just, very it's, impressive. But yeah, yeah I mean, and, and a giraffe, everything is since they're stuck. I mean, their size is so, so yeah, big. So big. I, yeah. I love those factoids and wait till. Yeah, why didn't we look that up at the blue whale? I can only imagine how long their yeah, intestines are. Yeah. Yeah. Wait till, if you stick with us till we get into the cardiovascular system, system at the very end, wait, wait till you find out how big their heart is. Yes. It's huge. All right. So let's talk a little bit about behavior. Sure. And if you'll stand by, I have a special guest. So welcome back to the podcast, the man, the myth, the legend. We've actually been talking about you, John. Lots of good things, good, you know, lots good. of good stuff about you. But Angie wanted to bring you in because you've actually, this is awesome. I don't know if we're going to have a giraffe off because I don't even know the real <laughs> it would be a, but It'll be a very quiet giraffe off if we do one. So <laughs> okay. we'll probably skip that one. We'll, just, we'll let you win this yeah, time. Thank you. And, um, but, but Angie said you've got to work with them quite a bit. So I yeah. think, you know, just telling the listeners about, you know, What's it like to work with giraffes and just some of their crazy behaviors or different behaviors that you've noticed over the years? Uh, yeah, I, so I did get a chance to work with them for a few different years, uh, a couple of years. One facility mostly. Um, they are, again, they're a really incredible animal to work with, uh, giraffe. The thing, the thing that I, so my first impression of a giraffe actually being near one. So you, you see them on TV or you see, see them at a zoo. You see mm-hmm. them from far away. Wow, they're huge. They're enormous. When I first walked into a barn and uh, the giant male swung his head down towards me and looked me, you know, eye to eye with his humongous eyeball. They have enormous heads and enormous yeah. eyeballs. And like I mean, a softball, yeah. it's really like a softball. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they are incredible. It's tough to really articulate how large they really are. And so it's, it just mm-hmm. has a huge impact on you realize I'm a... I'm a very small individual. Small person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, when you yeah. when you come close to them, so it just has a huge impact. And uh, as a species, they are again they're very unique. It's interesting because they are hoofstocks. Mm-hmm. I know you guys have touched mm-hmm. on a couple of different hoofstock in the in mm-hmm. the uh, podcast, and so they have that same sort of hoofstock mentality. They're herd together, generally uh, male dominated. Uh, females make up the core of the group. That sort of stuff. But um, they are much more cautious than just about every hoofstock I've ever worked with. So they okay, they are okay. very cautious individuals. Even though you think of them, they're humongous and they are powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the interesting things about them with the way that they they protect themselves from predators. So they are mm-hmm. they are attacked by predators, but they can protect themselves with their kick. They have immensely powerful kicks, but they can actually kick in any, any direction. So it's very unique. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, horses, right. They'll kick mostly backwards, Yeah. but these guys, they yeah. will kick backwards, sideways, forwards. So they'll kick in any direction. So, and, and they have that large head. The males normally use that head that had, um, becomes very calcified. It, it becomes like, a mm-hmm. like, like a ball, a big heavy ball on the end of a big chain. Yeah. Battering ram. And yeah, so yeah. they can yeah. knock that head. Usually the males will, will knock heads, uh, together or knock heads against their necks to, to mm-hmm. compete for females. But they have that as a weapon they can use mm-hmm. as well. So you have this really well equipped animal, but they're still extremely cautious. If there's anything that's new in mm-hmm. their environment, mm-hmm. they pay attention to it yeah. and they, 
and they are they are very timid about new things in their environment. There was there was one time when right. um, I was working with them, and they had a, a habitat, their exhibit they were on during the day, and then at night they would come into a, a holding area. There was a holding yard, and I forgot um, a rake in that yard at one point, and. Oh no! <laughs> they, they would not come in. They would not come into the holding yard. Mm-hmm. And this is a rake, an inanimate object. And they would, and I couldn't <laughs> yeah. for a while. I couldn't figure out what was going on until I realized that this rake was left there. I had to right, go back right. out, get the rake, move it, to get it out of the way, put it back, and then they would come into the yard after the rake after the rake was gone. Yeah, they're that's they're crazy. Really um, incredible. Yeah, incredible animal. They really are amazing with what they do. I know you guys touching on that, the physiology and that is just mm-hmm. its own amazing. Like I wanted to ask you, like when they're walking, are they, because I mean, I've seen them shift, you know, from the service areas out on the exhibit. Uh-huh. I never really paid attention. Are they really cognizant where they place their feet? Like it's just, they are. Yeah. Yeah. So they can't, you know, they, they, they mostly are, um, they're very cognizant where they put their feet. They, Usually walk slowly, but they can they can run. I mean, they can run. Yeah, they full. take off. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they take off. Um, and if they're spooked, they will do that. But they are they they are are very specific about where they put their feet. Some interesting things: they don't like to step down, so that mm-hmm. you could actually uh, if, if where if you view them in a, a zoological facility under under um, especially here in the United States, you usually will see them with, you know, large fences enclosing them, you know, you get right. 10 foot, 12 foot fences. You could actually hold them in a yard uh, with a drop of about a foot or two. If you just had yeah. a, a layer of rocks and then you dropped from one layer to the next at about two feet, they wouldn't, they wouldn't go over that because they don't like to step okay. down. So it's really kind of this okay. interesting yeah. idiosyncrasies with the, with this animal, right. uh, which makes them unique. Um, I had a really amazing experience with, uh, we had lots of experiences with them. I had a lot of amazing right, experiences right. with them. But this one interesting situation, we had an adult female who was a little bit older, and um, she was starting to have hoof problems. And like a lot of your hoof mm-hmm. stock, they need hoof trims. A lot of your horses, right? You're supposed to be trimming mm-hmm. their hooves. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit more difficult to get your hands on a giraffe hoof. So a lot of them are trained right, to go right. into what we call a chute. It's just an enclosed area yeah. where you can get access to their feet. Uh, this older female had a poor experiences with, with the shoot system early on in her life. So she was very reluctant to go into it. And a lot of animals use operant conditioning training to get them into this. She was extremely mm-hmm. stubborn and um, it was a challenge and we could not get her into this shoot. So it essentially got to the point where we knew we had to right. mobilize her to do a hoof trim. And that brings about its own mm-hmm. issues with the giraffe. If you mobilize an animal, yep. it isn't yep. like... You know, it's not like the cartoons, the movies where you, you dark them and they and they fall down immediately, but they yeah. they will fall down. Animals will fall down asleep. So with, with the giraffe, yeah. the concern was if that head she was she was close to eighteen foot tall. Uh, that eighteen foot tall head right. comes crashing down to the ground. She could she could break a vertebrae. She could uh, damage damage her yeah, head. Yeah, kill herself. Yeah. So we constructed this plan with uh, veterinarians, with zookeepers, with curators, where we would actually use uh, mountain climbing equipment. We'd put a harness on her head. We'd strap a um, rope mm-hmm. onto that. It would go up to a pulley in her stall, go sideways yeah. to another pulley in a different stall, and go down to the ground. And then when she was immobilized, we would lower her head to her the head. Ground. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. on on the other end of the head, in the other stall, was me. So <laughs> I was the one 
who actually had to lower her head to the ground oh, using uh, climbing equipment. If you've ever climbed and you've yeah. belayed somebody, yep, yep. you've belayed a partner, I basically had to belay her head down to the oh ground. Oh, my gosh. And they're so a, heavy. They're huge. Oh, so, so heavy. So you have to use your whole body. But with it, with climbing, the way the system works, you don't actually have to hold up her whole weight. The rope actually right, does right. a lot of – but. I had to use my whole body to sit back and and do yeah. that. It was it was Not a get pretty launched. It, yeah, it was a pretty surreal um, experience. But again, it was a team effort. I had a lot of great team members. I was working with a great trainer that was able to yeah. actually get the harness on her. Great team of veterinarians. We got in there. We got our hooves trimmed, checked her all out. Yeah. It was pretty incredible. So you know, these animals have, have brought me a lot of joy and a lot of a lot of great experiences. And again, they are, yeah. you know. They are, they, they really have an impact on you. If you ever get a chance to go to uh, a good quality zoological facility and if they have these giraffe feedings, right. I, I, I know it seems a little cheesy. You're like, you're, you're paying a couple dollars for a piece of romaine, but it really yeah, is yeah. something to get close to them and to, to get, it is. And get that experience to really look them in the eye. They'll bring their head down to your level. It's it's really incredible, yeah. and I highly, highly my son recommend. loves it. Oh, yeah. He loved it when we did it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a Lowry Park yeah. there. In yeah, our kids did it. it. Yeah. We did it down in um, Naples yeah. Zoo, and it just yeah. it's an incredible experience. So yeah, I, I big fan of giraffe. They got a special place in my heart. Um, yeah. yeah, really enjoy. Just them. like pandas, right? Just like pandas. Just like pandas. <laughs> Again, every animal has has its niche. Every animal fills its its own special role. So um, yeah, yeah. But well, yeah. let's get uh, let's let's get Angie and do the the giraffe off the. Hmm, <laughs> so so honestly, I will say, I mean, I worked with them for years, and mm-hmm. um, their vocalizations are practically indistinguishable i mean it literally yeah. is a hum i mean it's a it is it's a it's like a low level hum and it's not even yeah they, they have low frequency mm-hmm. don't they just like the okapi yeah, yeah but yeah. but some yeah. of it you know when you're with elephants you can you can feel their vocalizations mm-hmm. with giraffe mm-hmm. i could never i never felt their vocalizations i could barely ever even detect the vocalizations when people ask you know what sound do they make i i essentially would say they really don't make vocalizations i mean the the, the yeah. most vocalization they make is like us is a snort it's like you know they just expel, snort, expelling yeah. some air and it wasn't even a um it wasn't communication even, it was yeah like, it wasn't communication yeah. it non-vocal was, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so um it'll it'll be a silent giraffe off. you win you win, win. you win john Excellent. you win you win yeah I, angie I, talks too much you i was win. gonna say i guarantee i can be more silent than her so i win that one but um look when she comes back i'll tell her you won you won hands down this time no question. this time you win no question but yeah it's um they're great great animals they you know yeah, you guys talk about the ecological niches i mean they're just yeah they are just incredible um yeah, they are. Yep. They are, and they need our they need our protection. Yeah, absolutely, so, they need our protection. Yeah. They need our help. I mean, how, how to, to just even fathom these animals being in trouble or even heading towards extinction yeah. and not ever being around again? I mean, just consider this. Oh, I mean, it, yeah. it just is. Yeah, it's, it's unthinkable. So you know, I appreciate. Yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, but I appreciate everything you know you guys are doing to help draw attention. Appreciate all, yeah. all listeners out there. Yeah. I know they're you know the audience is growing stronger and stronger. So. Um, yeah. Hey, every little bit yeah. we can all do for for animals is is appreciated. Yeah. No. Well, thanks for coming on, John. This is great having you. I'm sure you know any anytime we can bring you in, we're going to bring you in. Uh, so. No problem at all. I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate it. the right. opportunity to talk about these great animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, take care, John. Thanks, Chris. Are you sitting down, Angie? I am. 
okay. I'm, I've got some bad news for you. Uh oh. You uh you you lost the giraffe off <laughs> by far, by far, by far. You lost the giraffe off. Was this a vocalization so. one or just? Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. So you lost, and the listeners know why. I didn't you even lost. try. <laughs> <laughs> No, you you don't have to try. You lose because you know why. John and I were talking. Giraffes don't make any noises, and you talk too much, oh, so you lose. Totally, <laughs> I do. I would not be. I would. That's why I wasn't a giraffe keeper. I was probably too loud for them. No, uh, yeah. yeah, John's like uh, I could be a lot quieter than Angie for a lot longer time. Oh my god, <laughs> totally. That's why he's lucky he's with me. I make him talk about all of his yes. feelings and. Yes, all, yes. all, all those oh, he's, deep he's thoughts, great. but oh, good. I know his giraffe stories are amazing. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, he's, he's, I love having John on. We got to have John on more. Um, but yeah, he's it was a good. keeper. Was, yeah, he's a keeper. There's the third pun of the day. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, all right. So, how in the heck do these guys breed? Like, how in the heck? Sure. Well, yeah. so first of all, it takes them a little while. So yeah. males don't repro- uh, reach reproductive maturity until they're about four or five. Okay. And typically they're not going to gain an opportunity to breed a female until they're seven or eight. So when we talk about generation intervals, uh, it's usually about 10 years mm-hmm, in, uh, mm-hmm. in general, uh, for giraffes, which once again, when you're, when your population's stressed and your numbers are declining, it, these guys are slow to reproduce. Uh, females, same thing is about four or five is when they, um, start cycling and are, are, are receptive to being bred. But in general, uh, giraffes are uh, polygamous, which means mm-hmm. multiple males will um, breed fertile females. Okay. Uh, and just similar to most of the stock that we've talked about is male giraffes will assess a female's fertility by tasting her urine. Mm. Yummy. <laughs> yummy. That good old estrogen. Yum, yum, that yum. That good old Ugh. estrogen. That spicy, spicy yeah. estrogen. Ugh, and then so uh, when they do, mm. when they do get a little bit of the taste or whiff of that, they will uh, do the Fleming response where they lift their, right. their upper lip, which we've talked about, which is, uh, you know, it's always cute. You've seen those in animal memes where a zebra or donkey right. or giraffe has their upper lip. Lions cur- do it. Yeah. yeah. Their upper lip curled yeah. in their nose so they can really breathe those deep, 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 uh, estrogens in and, uh, figure out where the female is in her cycle. And, but once, if she is receptive or, um, is having, is under the influence of estrogen, he'll, uh, he'll lick her and he'll rest his head on her tail, nudge her with his horns and just check out that she's receptive. And now all this occurs only when the male has basically established himself the main man in the herd, the big mm-hmm. machismo the dominant, dominant yeah. male to do that. And that gets into a little bit more of how males use their necks, these long necks and their ossicones or horns in behavioral combat known as necking. And I'm not talking about mm-hmm. necking like when you, you and I remember nice from like, necking, yeah. <laughs> that might even been my mom's, I think that was my mom's generation necking. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. yeah, so we're not talking about that kind of stuff. We're talking more about, real battles um, to help establish dominance. And so there's considered low intensity and high intensity and low intensity is probably just two males checking each other out and they might lean and rub against each other and just see if somebody will back down. If somebody, if Mm -hmm. 
a subordinate doesn't back down, then it might escalate into a high-intensity necking match that can last more than a half an hour, uh, depending on how matched they are. Mm-hmm. And they'll basically spread their front legs and swing their necks at each other and attempt mm-hmm. to hit each other with their acetones and just bang each other with their necks. And usually it doesn't lead to serious inj- injury, but there's been records of broken jaws, uh, sometimes even death. Mm. And, but what's yeah. super interesting, and I always say this about, I always say this about guys, the difference between guys and girls. I played a lot of, uh, sports, female sports when, uh, I was in high school. And we, yeah. you know, women sometimes we, we tend to, and I don't want to stereotype, but for my own self, I, I'll tend to dwell on things after an incident happens. And so in sports, that can, like team mm-hmm. sports, I was a volleyball player, that can, you know, that can be a bad thing if you're not like right back into the team and, and ready to go after the net next point. Mm-hmm. But I always appreciate with guys is they get in a fight, they beat each other up and then they go have a beer. Like they, you know, they, once they get out yeah. that testosterone, they're fine. Where women, yes. we hold, not yes. all, but I, a lot of all them hold grudges, grudges, yeah, hold grudges right? Time. So yeah. interestingly yeah. enough, after a duel between two males, a lot of times two male giraffes will actually caress and court each other. And, and, and they're, and they'll do more kind of like making up and being nice with each other than is actually sometimes yeah. seen between a male and female couple. <laughs> so they're like, Hey buddy, yeah. sorry. I just had to, you know, I had to, I had, I had to win my reproductive Dude, yeah, yeah, rights. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, right. but yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's just a really interesting. If you haven't seen a neck match, I, uh, I, a necking match between giraffes, I highly recommend there's, they're on YouTube or, Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Uh, some of the discovery shows. Yeah, I'll try to remember put a link in. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, they're powerful, and and like I said, some people, you know, there there is a theory out there that that's been part of the reason why their necks have been evolved to be so mm-hmm. long. But who knows what came first, the chicken or the egg? Right? Did they have to reach yeah, right, right, right. trees, or did they need to fight each other? Um, mm-hmm. But switching gears to the female and this long generational interval is females are pregnant for about 450 days, which I think is Mm -hmm. 15 months, if I just do the math really quick in my head. Yeah, a long, long, long time. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I was over it at, like, month seven. (laughs) Seven, yeah. Get out of me. Get out of me. Sheesh. Um, And then some other interesting, I think, facts is that uh, if you could picture this, a mother giraffe gives birth by standing up and walking. Right. So there is no la- like horses where Chris and I are used yeah. to horses where they lay mm-hmm, down, mm-hmm. but they don't. And which means it's a long drop. Uh, and I think there's been it's some a cool long drop. It's a long, yeah, drop. It's a long drop. That's about two meters yeah. or uh, what is that? Six yeah, feet, six feet, their legs. Yeah. Yeah. So your height. Yeah. It's a bang on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> welcome. Yeah. Welcome. And, <laughs> welcome. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting, uh, why they don't lay down, uh, probably has something to do with not being able to get up mm-hmm. quick. It's it, 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 a little slower to get up than horses or, or who knows, maybe that's just the way they have to right. actually, they may probably need gravity. I don't yeah. know. Um, but it, check this out. A newborn giraffe is also about two meters tall. Yeah. They're big. They're big. big so it's, theoretically, it's probably not as, you know, it's not as big a fall because they already, are pretty stretched out. big. They're yeah. already pretty tall. So yeah. they're pretty stretched out, but just like similar to other horses or other stock there within a few hours, the calf is running around. Yeah. Um, and within the one to, uh, one to three weeks, it's been a lot of its time hiding. 
And when the calves are really young, the mothers will often gather in nursery herds. So they'll move together and browse together. And then mothers in this type of group may sometimes leave their calf with another female while they go mm -hmm. forage and drink somewhere else. It's known as a calving pool or sometimes a crash. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, so babysitters. So I, I think that's you, know, you can let you yeah, know, it's kind of cool. It's auntie cool. babysit you, or that must be nice. It's uh, yeah, yeah, I wish yeah, I yeah. had. I wish I had my giraffe herd family around to help me babysit sometimes. Hint, 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 <laughs> hint, 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 mom, yeah, sister, get here now, <laughs> brother. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and then yeah. now the dads don't play much role mm -hmm. in raising the young, but they're friendly, like. They're nice guys. They just don't really do too much for the kids. Yeah, yeah. And then how long the offspring stays with on their mom's side depends on if she gets pregnant. Yeah, usually she calves maybe every second to third year. Mm -hmm. um, and then sadly enough, once again, they're only about 50% of calves survive the first year due to predators right. and all that. Yeah. So when, once again, we're thinking about this generation interval. Right. It is, it's hard. They're not, we, if we just start saving them and it's not going to, their, their population is not going to rebound right away. It's right. going to take years right. and years and years because of all time, of yeah. these factors. Right. Right. Now, did you know what a group of giraffes is called? Like the, the, the dad's a bull, the mom's a cow. He said a calf. What's a group of giraffes? Is it a herd? No tower. <laughs> it could be a herd too, I guess. I think it's a herd. They call them group. A group of giraffes is called a tower. Oh, cool. I love it. That's fantastic, yeah, yeah, Chris. I yeah, did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. So, a tower um, of giraffes. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. Now we talked about their conservation already. You know, they're, they're in decline. Um, so some of the organizations that are specific to giraffe. Yeah, Chris, I found this really amazing group called the Giraffe Conservation Foundation, or GCF. And it's actually the only NGO in the world that concentrates solely on the conservation and management of giraffe in the wild throughout Africa. So they're dedicated strictly to giraffe conservation, and which really sets them apart from a lot of, a lot of the other uh, different organizations that have malt, that take care of malt or work with multiple species. So I thought that was really awesome. Mm -hmm. And they can be found at giraffeconservation.org. And they have a beautiful presence on Facebook, which Chris and I will link you to. Mm -hmm. And this group is just amazing. They're all over the place. They have programs in several different countries, including Kenya, Uganda, Democratic Republic of Congo, Namibia, Zambia, Tanzania, Ethiopia, and they have several programs that uh, you can find on their webpage to just that talks about all all the really cool projects they work on and how their funds go to directly helping giraffes in the wild of Africa. But for instance, just recently in September, they uh, were have been supporting the Uganda Wildlife Authority to su successfully translocate endangered Nubian giraffes. Um, to a safe spot. So that would be one of the subspecies, Nubian giraffes, and their numbers are really, really low. So they do a lot of translocating projects. They do a lot of population counts, population assessments, working with local uh, locals in the area. Um, and another, for example, they use trackers to, um, to help tag giraffes mm -hmm. and 
learn more about where they're going and 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 basically where they're living to help provide them the protection they need from poachers and of course just pretty much other human threats. And then of course the group is really active in what is known as World Giraffe Day. We were recently celebrating World Rhino Day. And but uh, World Giraffe Day is an exciting event and it's actually initiated by this group to help celebrate giraffes. And so we'll, we'll remind um, our listeners that it's uh, June 21st every year. So we missed it this year, but we will not miss it. Now that mm-hmm. I know this, we will not, we, we will not mix, miss it, miss it next, next year. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they have a blog. They have all the research mm-hmm. on um, online. And of course you can adopt a giraffe as well. Uh, so there's plenty of ways to learn more about them and help support this organization. So please go check out their website or definitely give them a like on Facebook. If you are a fan of giraffes, your feed will be inundated with these beautiful creatures and amazing videos that, uh, of course, are all are all from the wilds of Africa where they live. So, yeah, check out Giraffe Conservation Foundation. Do yourself a favor and uh, learn a lot more about these guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll put the links up now. <clears throat> Conservation tip of the week, Angie. This one's a little bit different. So, again, reducing energy consumption. One of the things people don't really think about, because sometimes, you know, especially when you own a home, you don't think about doing this. You need to change your air filters because the more dirt that's in your air filter, the harder your either air conditioning or your heater is working. And that means more energy. So if you change that filter, you will reduce your energy footprint. Now, rules of thumb. If it's a vacation home or you're just by yourself, you know, with no pets or you have no allergies, you can replace that filter every six to 12 months. So every year or, you know, every few months. Now, the average home. Lots and lots of pets and (laughs) with busy children and dirty mamas. (laughs) Yes. You should change it every 30, every third, every 90 days. Wow. I I don't want to, I don't think we're doing that. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> no, you're not. I guarantee you're. I guarantee you're not. And then for every dog or cat you have, so yes. what, you have a dog and two cats. It's every sixty days, wow. John. So tell your husband, yeah. And if you have lots of pets, it should be every twenty okay. to forty-five days. So because all that pet oh, dander yeah. gets stuck in there. I know for a fact I didn't do that. Um, so the next home I own. I will be making sure well, at I least think the key, every three they are, months, I was just going to say, they're, they're cheap. cheap. I think they're the key is to just buy like 10 of them. Yeah. And then especially if you have storage in your yeah, home or maybe cheap. even five of them or something like that. And just, mm-hmm. right. That yeah, way they're there. The garage, you don't yeah. have to put it on your grocery list or so yeah. if they're there and you have it on your calendar, you're going to be more likely to do it. And that's, um, yeah, no, that's a really good tip, but yeah, it makes yeah, a lot of sense. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll yeah, have to, I'll have to talk with John about that and try yeah. to get, try to get that ball yeah, rolling. Yeah. Cause every little, you got to make sure you get the right size. That's the, that nightmare. is the key. You sure you I, and I do up. remember that this, yeah, our, of course, this, our unit has a, a weird one, but once yeah. we find it, that's why we it's should old. buy a lot of them because it's a yeah. weird one. So then we have, them, have them, we have them on hand. Yeah. They're pretty cheap. They're pretty cheap. Now what we promise Angie, the circulatory system. So you said how big they are. I, I will just give the weight. The weight of, of the heart is one quarter of you. How about that? 25 pounds. <laughs> uh, I would say about one, one fifth to one sixth, depending on what okay, cycle of uh, birth, gestation, <laughs> lactation yeah. I'm in. <laughs> so it weighs 11 kilograms. Now you said, how big was it? How long? 
Oh, I was just going to do the weight. The, uh, the okay. 11 kilos. You did yeah, the weight? I, I, oh, mm. I took it. Though. I'm sorry. No, Two no, feet. that's fine. I want to – yeah. Well, no, no. I – the way that I thought about it huh. is um, – 25 pounds is how much yeah. Zachary weighs. My son, my, my two year old yeah. just turned two last That's week. Crazy, crazy. And it, they, two feet long. So they need, they have to generate blood pressure, right? Yeah, two feet so long. Have, wow. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, their blood pressure is needs to be twice that of a human to maintain blood flow to the brain. Mm-hmm. So this powerful heart pumps all that blood, and so they maintain really sixty crazy. liters to be sixty yeah. liters to be precise every minute. Right, their their heart wall thickness. Here you go. Maybe this is a factoid for your class: three inches or seven point five centimeters. So they wow. have really thick heart muscle. Now, did you do you read about their heart heart rate? This was kind of cool. I so, did. I did. Yeah, one hundred fifty beats per minute. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. You know, us normal, what, 60, you know, rest, sure, 60, 80, less, 150 yeah. is like when you're exercising, you know, pretty well, pretty well. Now, you want to tell everybody what happens when they drink? Sure. This is one of the yeah, reasons yeah. I became yeah. a physiologist, yeah. this class yeah, 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 and yeah. Yeah. between uh, camels and giraffes. Mm-hmm. So when a giraffe is thirsty and every three days it goes to get a drink, and it has to reach its head down to a watering hole. Mm-hmm. Well, its neck is not long enough to just bend down and reach. So it actually has to spread, for those of you that haven't seen mm-hmm. it, it has to spread its front feet mm-hmm. and kind of bend them in a little bit, and then it can drink. Well, its head, if anybody's ever stood up too quickly, right, or, mm-hmm. or sat down too quickly, you can get lightheaded from the way, from blood either flowing to your brain or away from your brain. And so... When they lower their head down below their heart, the blood should be basically pouring down into their brain, right? Like it should mm-hmm, be, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. And so this is because giraffes have special valves in their jugular veins, which close when a giraffe bends mm-hmm. down and it, this reduces pressure on the brain and it, it stops the excess blood flowing into the head. Mm-hmm. And then as these, after they're done drinking, when they raise their head, the valves reopen so that the blood can then start to go back to the brain as normal. Normal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then alongside this, like you said, they have the thick muscles, right? The, what what mm-hmm. did you say they had thick? Well, thick the, the thick heart muscle to help. The pump. thick heart yeah. muscle, right? Strong muscle. But as far as drinking and lo- raising and lowering their head goes, they have elastic walled blood vessels that will expand and mm-hmm. contract appropriately to basically, if you think of like a, a hose gauge to help blood flowing to the mm-hmm. brain to reduce pressure and or increase it. Yeah. It's a crazy physiological and then la- adaption. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then, and then just lastly, they have like basically a sponge like structure to help contain any excess blood flowing to the brain when their head's down. Yeah. So just in case some leak through, because yeah. <laughs> you know, your toddler leaves a hose on or yeah. whatever, just, just in case they have this extra, the spongy like, um, structure to yeah. catch any, any extra blood. So just really, yeah, really, really cool. incredible. Really and, cool and, and Chris and I can say they're so cool and they are cool mm-hmm. and physio- cause we're physiological mm-hmm. dorks, mm-hmm. right? And Chris, we're not the only ones. Mm-hmm. NASA, like the NASA. My you, favorite, you always, Cape Canaveral. You always would take Rourke and yeah. Wyatt. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cape Canaveral. Um, they have done research on the blood vessels in giraffe legs mm-hmm. to help get inspiration for human spacesuits and yeah. how to help better develop them. There you go. Pretty cool. Save giraffes. They're going to get us to Mars. (laughs)
Giraffes are going to get us to Mars. <laughs> Final answer. If you take home nothing from this podcast. Yes. yes. There you go. So just for us this week, if you could just share this episode, go on your Facebook, say, hey, check out this podcast. It's really great. You learn a lot. It's fun. Uh, we have a good time doing it. You know, we're going to come out with a new species next week. Just share it on your Facebook or social media. We would love you. We would love you. And, and just for me and Angie, thank you. Thank you for listening to Giraffes. And we'll be back with something cool next week. Right, Angie? Yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, it's always a pleasure to to learn and share. Listen. Learn. Share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. <laughs>